the first part of this conversation with Magai and Mohamud, Forum Civ officers in Colombia and Somalia, we talked a little bit about their lives, their work, and some of the impacts that the COVID-19 crisis has had on their local context. In this second and final part, we will continue to talk about how the pandemic has affected them at a more personal level, and they will also share with us how they believe things will be in the future, when their countries start to open up again. Forum for Change, a podcast about civil society around the world, produced by Forum CIV. I am Salome Oliva. And I am Carlos Cardenas. Dear listener, if you heard the first part, as I know you did, and if you haven't, go check it out. You will also remember that we left Mohammed hanging on a question. Let us resume from there. Uh, Mohamud, what would you say about these situations for you in Somalia, for people in Somalia, regarding food supply, transportation restriction, these kind of issues in general in the context of where your partner organizations are implementing projects? And actually, COVID-19 the first time when it started in Mogadishu, it started as a myth. People did not even, uh, they were not uh, clear about what uh, the COVID-19 is. Uh, they didn't knew what it is. And then the government did not put a lot of restriction on, on the movement of the international movement, especially. And then after a few weeks, the government put a lot of restriction. And then uh, there were a lot of lockdown. Up to now, uh, there are no flights that are coming into Somalia, both international and also local, there are no followers that are coming to Mogadishu. So uh, this has uh, affected a lot. And uh, actually key people, especially people working with the government, people working with the humanitarian agencies, people in the business community, all of them, they cannot travel by road because uh, there are checkpoints man managed by Al-Shabaab and they could not go through the, those checkpoints. Al-Shabaab has fought to establish an Islamic state in Somalia since 2006. The group was largely rooted from the capital Mogadishu in 2011 by Amisom, but still controls significant rural areas in the country. This was an extract from a report from CBA TV, an African TV station. Following is a fragment again of the Al Jazeera report from Mogadishu by Mohamed Adao. Beyond the capital, though, Al-Shabaab fighters hold sway in many parts of rural Somalia. This means there is little access for medical and humanitarian workers to carry out life-saving work. Al-Shabaab fighters also carry out frequent attacks in the capital and other major cities, something else that hinders a proper response to the outbreak. But other the normal civilians can travel up and down to wherever they want within the country. So that put a lot of restriction on the businesses and everything. So everything is skyrocketed. So if you look at the market, the cost of everything went up and then there's nothing coming in. And uh, they're just using the, the, the small uh, resources that they have internally. So that's why there were a lot of advocacy within the civil society organizations, within the business community, the religious leaders asking for the government at least to reduce the measures so that uh, a lot of things could be imported. For us, 
we don't export things. We import a lot of things from uh, outside, and people uh, rely on that. COVID-19 affected every individual in Somalia. Uh, the death toll was uh, very small, very little. Uh, there were a lot of uh, social media mobilization in terms of awareness raising in terms of COVID-19. But all the all the uh, uh, mosques were closed. All the uh, hotels were closed. Restaurants, everything were closed. But still, the movements of people could not be stopped. People, people move around and the socialization is normal. As a result, Everybody was affected, but now the COVID-19 is almost gone. We are saying bye-bye to COVID-19 soon. Um, well, we've been talking a lot about the implications of this pandemic on our work and your daily jobs and stuff like that. We are people, and as people, we get affected by this too. At least here in Sweden, where I am located now, uh, a lot has been talked about the mental health issues that this pandemic, the lockdowns can bring on people, the difficult emotions that this uh, type of situation can bring up on, on all of us. So I would like to know what implications this situation have has also for you and for your families. Actually, uh, I, I put the COVID-19 Uh, implications into three. I said we have a panic bottom. The panic bottom is the COVID-19 panic bottom. <laughs> the, insecurity, the insecurity. And now our job security is even in danger. So those are some of the key things. Personally, actually, in the Somalia program, we had a regular meeting uh, so that uh, people could not be exhausted in regular engagement. We had weekly meetings. Uh, we had call conferences. We had in, in social engagements. So we were happy and discussing and talking to each other on phones from 24-7. Since we have uh, the internet and we have telephones which are very cheap, so we talk a lot. So it had a little effect in terms of uh, mentally and psychosocially. And actually for me, I do exercise in the evening. I normally go to one of the UN compound, which was which is next to me, and play football in the in the afternoon there. So, <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. Footballist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> football player here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for me I, uh, like I told you before I'm from a really small town and Bogota is huge Bogota is like 9 million inhabitants so it's a really really big town Um, yeah, and for me, sometimes it's really complicated to stay inside the whole time to can't travel around because sometimes, yeah, I really love it to travel to the next towns um, close to Bogota just to get out, to get out of the city. And so for me, sometimes it's really stressful to stay in town the whole time. And I think there was like a time, like one and a half month, more or less, where you couldn't go out. And this time was really complicated. And the police was also controlling a lot. And I think sometimes and they were also not using right the police force so sometimes they were stopping people and you had to pay like a fee because you were outside and you you shouldn't or you didn't have the right explanation so yeah it was complicated and um, before still in Bogota the communication is, is quite good so I can communicate with my family and I'm also not living alone I'm living with friends of mine so it's also really good to have some people here and um, but sometimes it's also really funny because Because, yeah, we are living here right now with um, four different people and um, only one can go to work because, um, yeah, he's working in a hospital. So, yeah, he has to go to work still. But the other three are still at home and our Internet connection is not the best. And 
and um, sometimes it's only working right next to the modem. And this is downstairs in the living room. Sometimes when we all have to work together and we have like virtual meetings, it's becoming difficult. And so sometimes I have to go to the kitchen and work in the kitchen (laughs) because, yeah, it's next to the living room and then the Internet connection is also good. Yeah, and I, I also know from my colleagues um, who have uh, children that uh, yeah, the homeschooling explain um, their homeworks or their tasks they have to do for school. Especially in the first weeks, um, they got like really strange tasks from the teachers, which were <laughs> not yeah. really doable at home. So that was quite complicated. In the first weeks, it was also all the kids were not allowed to go outside. Right now, kids and older people can go outside, but just like like a few hours a day and normally these hours fall into the working hours so it's still difficult to find the combinations between looking after the kids and doing something also outside to go to a park or I don't know play outside with the kids so yeah I think COVID-19 is affecting everyone differently but everyone is feeling like the different restrictions um, so yeah <laughs> it's a complicated situation <laughs> uh, my guy right now your friend's those uh, with whom you live, are they having meetings or are they helping us, contributing for our quality? (laughs) No, they are still sleeping. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, they they have like more flexible little working hours. So sometimes, yeah, they start late and work after uh, till late. Okay, so let's let's, uh, have them sleep a little bit more. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) they will come to me. They will tell me, oh no, you were loud again. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> for and for change. We want um, also to, to talk with you a little bit of what uh, specific measures have the offices, the Somalia office and the Latin American Caribbean hub, have been taking with this situation. How has the work been in reconfigured and reestablished to have as much as we can some kind of normality in the work we do? How has it been going on uh, in Somalia, Mohamud? We only stopped going to the offices and going to meetings and partners and going to government offices, but we work from home uh, using our mobile phones and using our internet. So we normally meet on Teams, we discuss. You see, sometimes you have four or five meetings a day. So over 20, 25 calls from partners and and other stakeholders. We do our usual business uh, as usual. I have my own small office at home. So by eight, I am I'm prepared for my work from eight to four, as usual, regularly. And all our colleagues, our staffs in Hargeisa, in Garoway, in Nairobi, all of them, they work from home regularly. We do weekly meetings to update on the status of the staff member. We update each other the political situation, the security situation, uh, updates on project activities, all those things. Like now we are uh, working a lot on fundraising, looking for new donors for funding. So we are, uh, we are, we are, we are pulling our socks to at least look for funds now. So business is as usual, although we have some issues here and there, and hopefully all those issues will be solved. But for me, I believe the work is, for me, it is a calling. I have worked with UNHCR for almost 10 years on protection. Uh, I have a long experience in terms of working with the civil society and we be part of a good change. So one of my principles is that 
I don't take it as a work. I call, I say it as a, it is a calling that I need to attend to. Yeah, like <laughs> in Colombia, in our office, we are also yeah doing home office since March. I think we are in home office. It's also nice to recognize um, that um, I think we are working good as a team because sometimes um, yeah when we needed some supplies from the office, and not everyone in the office has a car, so it's complicated to get to the office and get the stuff out. So normally the people who have a car they are always helping and moving stuff around if we need it also um, yeah we have our staff meetings uh, normally we also try to have them weekly but also meetings um, by the different teams and I think COVID-19 made us also more creative um, because yeah there are lots of people who are like doing videos and um, who are thinking about different ways of connecting because um, yeah it's also really important to sometimes think out of the box uh, sometimes disconnect a little bit um, from from the preoccupations you have in work. Um, yeah, because before we were talking about the difficulties uh, the local organizations right now are front and sometimes, yeah, it's, it's important to think about something else and to reconnect um, with the people from the office. So there are also virtual fikas. Sometimes we are just eating together and everyone is <laughs> bringing some food and eating in front of the of the computer, just talking about the normal life during the COVID-19. And they are also inventing some games or there are some videos and so yeah let's watch it together and so yeah sometimes it's also important to have these um, spaces all together I think um, regarding the project we are managing right now, I think it's also important that um, the European Peace Fund, for example, was quite flexible um, regarding the COVID-19 situation. They allowed us to create um, this new budget line for the fast attend um, to the local organization. We hope that in the next uh, weeks um, we can um, allow the local organizations to structure yeah, their own small budget budget um, by direct implementation. This um, budget can include like transportation for the crops, for the food, for the self-care products. In the new budget line, this could be possible. Um, it also would be possible for the organizations to purchase some foods, some food packages, for example, for the most needed families, because yeah, there are some families who can't get enough food anymore. And we hope that with this budget line, it will also possible that the organizations can get some self-care products like face masks, also these face shields, alcohol or gloves, um, which they don't have and which is really important to have them for um, biosecurity reasons. We also hope that they can start to purchase some agricultural seeds and inputs and can also have some data or some internet packages. Right now, there are some um, some extra budget because yeah, we don't have to purchase like tickets and transportation anymore. So we can use this money for the rapid response um, to the emergency caused by the COVID-19. It's additional work, but it's not yeah, like Muhammad um, said, it's not really work. It's um, yeah, like a calling because yeah, it implies more working hours um, that you need to restructure the budget to communicate with all the local organizations what they need and it, because it's also through direct implementation so we have to buy all um, the stuff the organizations need and bring it to the organizations or purchase the transportations to bring all the stuff to the organizations it's more it's a lot more work for us because we have to to find um, the people who can sell us uh, sell us this um, yeah 
yeah, this implements. How do you think this will change the way you work after the pandemic and after the societies start opening up again? How do you see this impacting your your work long term? From a Somalia perspective, we are saying bye-bye to COVID-19 soon, hopefully. Things will come back to normal. And actually, for Somalia operations, we don't know what will going to happen after September. But still, the organization is doing a lot of effort in terms of fundraising. And hopefully, I just see a bright future for the country and for Forum Seat. And uh, we will just double our effort. And hopefully, things will change positively. Oh, yeah, it's a really complicated question, I think, um, because right now we are seeing all these impacts um, in the especially in the rural rural areas. So, yeah, we are a little bit um, anxious about what can happen in the next weeks and months, because right now we can see that the impact which the COVID-19 has about the local um, communities is um, quite heavy. We can see that there's right now also a change in the needs and priorities of the organizations. They really need um, fast help. Um, sometimes they also need like fast growing crops um, to have food and the basic needs satisfied. It's also really sad to see that all already the the conflict is um, strengthening or has more impact in some of the regions especially in Kauka and Arauca um, they are still killing a lot of people and there are still lots of the people of the reincorporated population who who's killed um, by different armed groups In this other reportage by Alessandro Rampietti, an Al Jazeera correspondent in Colombia, broadcasted on June 19th, we hear the voice of Fabian Laverde, a displaced Colombian social leader. We believe in Colombia there's still a systematic campaign to exterminate social movements. Killing a leader has a larger impact than killing 10 people. It lowers morale, it spreads fear, and above all, it silences the voices that speak for the community. On Democracy Now!, an alternative news channel from the U.S., on its live broadcast, the 1st of November 2019. Since the signing of the peace accords in 2016, at least 700 social leaders have been murdered in Colombia, according to the Institute for Development and Peace Studies, with Afro-Colombian and indigenous activists at the forefront of the targeting. Civil society organizations say that since the start of the quarantine, a human rights, political or social leader has been killed every other day. The worst period since the signing of the peace deal with FARC rebels in 2016. Activists say the lockdown has worsened the situation, leaving the leaders less protected. Alessandro Ampietti, Al Jazeera, Bogotá. Up to June 22nd, according to the Institute for Development and Peace Studies, 140 social leaders and 25 ex-combatants from FARC have been killed in 2020. Since the signing of the peace agreement, more than 200 ex-combatants have been murdered. We also don't know how some people or yeah, the most poor will survive um, the situation because um, yeah, there's also lots of people in Colombia who have like informal jobs, um, which means that right now they don't have any income at all. And you can also see it already in Bogota. <laughs> Yo 
that there are lots of people who are right now trying to get some money on the streets or who are getting directing themselves directly to the houses to get food to get clothes to get something to get help and I think in Colombia there's still um, the crisis um, also with Venezuela that there are many displaced people um, who are trying to get back to Venezuela because um, yeah, they can't find work and shelter anymore in the other um, Latin American countries so they are trying to get back to, to Venezuela but um, they are right now closing the borders and I think three days a week they are opening the borders to let some people in but not the whole population so right now I think the crisis here is, is getting really heavy and you can feel it in many parts of our daily day life and also in the political and uh, social situation. Thank you so much, guys, for this conversation, Mohamed, Magay. This is a very important conversation to have now, and it is important for all our listeners to get an insight on how this has affected our work as, as a civil society organization, but also as people that work with this calling, as you called it before. So I thank you very much for participating in this conversation with us. Uh, it's been a very rich and fruitful conversation. Yeah, thanks a lot for the invitation. I think it was yeah really nice to also hear from Mohamud and see what is happening there. Yeah, so it's it's really nice to have like these talks and uh, talk about the situation in the different parts of the world and in the different offices <laughs> from Forum City. Thank you very much also for giving us the opportunity to talk to you guys and also to share our small uh, country office, mm -hmm. the situation in our small country office. I also learned a lot from Marie uh, how work, uh, working in Colombia is. I really appreciated uh, your insights. Thank you, Carlos and Salome. Uh, I heard your names a lot, but uh, your faces are the first time. So, yeah, this podcast is that opportunity also to, well, to share with our listeners some, some of the things we do and our partners do. But then also, it's also an excuse to get uh, within us to also get to know each other, to know what we do. And, and in this case, to share like the specific experiences of the same situation we're all dealing with on this uncertain trail that we're walking through together. We don't know where this is going to take us. I agree with Mohamud that hopefully there's a bright future for all of us after all of this happens and, and, and evolves. And uh, hopefully that new normality will gain some things from this opportunity that we have to change things, to shift things, to, to build a new kind of society and a new way of thinking, of consuming, of being inhabitants of this planet that it's in some kind of shaking with this with this COVID-19. So yeah, thank you very much for sharing with us today your experiences and your opinions on your work and on your personal opinions also. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for the invitation. <laughs> thank you guys. Bye. Bye. Have a really nice day. Bye. Same to you. <laughs> thanks. This has been Forum for Change, a podcast about civil society around the world. Produced by Forum Civ as part of the Swedish Partnership Program funded by CIRA, the Swedish International Development Cooperation Agency. If you want to know more about the podcast or this episode's contents, please read the description box. To know more about Forum Civ, take a look at our website www.forumciv.org. 
We hope you join us in another episode soon. You can also follow us on social media as Forum Civ. I am Salome Oliva. And I am Carlos Cárdenas. Until next time.